It's a double edition of Shadow Talk this week. As we bring you the latest from our research, we've just released a report, Seize and Desist, that looks at the latest evolutions in the criminal marketplace one year after Alpha Bay. All in this week's Shadow Talk. Hello listeners, it's Raf and I joining you to talk about our latest research, Season Desist. Raf, hello, how are you? Very good, Mike. Yeah. Are you? Excited for the research this week. Got InfoSec as well, so big yeah. week all around. Big week. Excited to uh, be talking about this latest piece of research. Um, I guess we started it for a couple of reasons. Um, it's It's been almost one year since the Operation Bayonet was announced. So the the kind of dual operation where they first of all uh, seized the Alpha Bay marketplace and then they timed that and they sat on the second largest marketplace, which was Hansa. And then as soon as they shut down Alpha Bay, they knew people would flock to the second largest Hansa and then they were ready and they were able to capture people's logons and other information. So it was pretty good intelligence gain and there was a lot of news of it at the time. And we weren't quite sure how it was going to develop. And at the, at the time, this was July 2017, I remember you wrote a blog on the kind of three potential outcomes that we might expect to see. Yeah, I mean, this was immediately after the Alpha Bay disappearance. At the time, it wasn't confirmed whether it was a law enforcement takedown, although there were those rumours flying about. Other people thought it, it might have been an exit scam. So what we did is we tried to see, all right, what are the possible futures for marketplaces if, had, if Alphabay were to go down. And at the time, what we wrote was there are three possible scenarios. So the first one would be that an older established market would replace Alphabay. So here we were thinking of markets such as Dream or Trade Route or even Wall Street, which are the fairly major marketplaces that have been around for a while, but obviously weren't on the level of Alphabay. And I guess that's how Alphabay came about. It was what sort of an established one that when the others went down before, that managed to get in a prime position. Exactly, and the reason we thought that was a, a plausible scenario was exactly as you said, this is what happens before. Usually a, a gap is left and another established site will fill that vacuum and people will just flock over, which is essentially what happened initially when everyone moved over to, to Hansa. All the refugees from Alpha Bay moved over to Hansa, but that turned out to be a law enforcement sting. And then the second scenario was that a new marketplace might emerge from Alphabay's ashes. And the f- first impetus for this line of thinking was that we saw a lot of ex-Alphabay members talking about creating Alphabay 2.0. We saw a beta development of a site called Gamma, Gamma Bay, which was meant to be yeah, basically a play on Alphabay by members who were very fond of that site. And then we were also thinking, what if another outside party would come in and try and develop their own marketplace from scratch rather than one of the older established ones. But again, like with the last scenario, no marketplace has sort of been able to take on the position that Alphabet used to hold. So then there was the third scenario as well, and that one related to, okay, what if users actually move away from the marketplace model and try and adapt, whether that's through new technology or using existing platforms that weren't as popular before or changing certain processes in the way they operate online. So those are the three scenarios that we set out to look at. And over the last year, we've been seeing how these different scenarios have played out and which one has come to the fore. Yeah, I guess if we start with the first one, um, 
the one that we would expect to have been the leader if it, in terms of the established one was Dream Market. But that hasn't really panned out too well. Um, very few people are looking at that as a viable marketplace now. If you look at the stuff that's being sold there, it's very minimal. And uh, people are, I think one person said it was like, the body's alive, but nobody's actually there. It's a zombie market. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things going on there. One is there's been really poor communication from the administrators. And when people moved over to Hansa initially, again, Hansa was having site technical difficulties. People were having trouble contacting the administrators. So when you put all of that together, what we get is what's really come out of this research is this issue of trust. People are very suspicious. After what happened with Hansa and that, that honeypot operation where it was actually being run by law enforcement to lure people in, people are very skeptical of any site that the administrators are being quiet or the site keeps going down. So Dream Market has been a victim of that as well. People are just generally a lot more suspicious since Operation Bayonet. And I think that's one of the reasons the established marketplaces have been unable to really cement their position. Yeah. So with the older established ones, the first scenario not really panning out. I think continuing the idea of trust is, is quite interesting with the Olympus dark web marketplace because that that would be the second scenario um, where a new one emerges. And it looked pretty promising with this marketplace. It was advertised everywhere, gaining traction, was pretty good looking, snazzy UI, probably one of the better ones we've seen, um, sort of even better than the real deal back in the day. And very pleasing on the eye, developed a pretty good reputation. And then they went and ruined it did they not? They did, they did. So this is quite interesting. So the administrators, or at least the people running Olympus, they got into an online battle with Dread. Now Dread is like a Reddit-style community where one of the leaders of, of the Dread forum basically goes out and finds vulnerabilities or little flaws in different marketplaces and sites. This is Hugbunter, right? We this spoke is, about this briefly in, in a podcast. Exactly. This is the user called Hugbunter. And then what happened is Olympus decided to, quote-unquote, hack Hugbunter and Dread. And that turned out to be a very bad move on their part because they completely tarnished their reputation by doing so. The online community rallied round behind Dread. Olympus had to come out and apologize and say they were going to employ a PR team to rectify this, but they haven't really been able to to rectify the situation since then. So they rose very quickly, but then they also fell very quickly, showing how this is a really difficult terrain to traverse at the minute in trying to establish a marketplace. Yeah, I think that, again, really shows the importance of trust. But that's just one barrier to setting up a marketplace. You've also got the actual financial costs as well. And we were like trying to tot it up a little bit and work out how much it would be if you wanted to set up your own marketplace. The assumption is reduce barriers to entry. So if you want to set one up, fine. And if you don't make it, it doesn't really matter. But actually there are some hidden financial costs to that and some examples of that. Yeah, we, we were looking to see, all right, so what are the, if you wanted to develop a basic marketplace, what sort of things would you need? You'd need an onion domain, you'd, one of the main things you need is actually bulletproof hosting. You probably need capture services. You need general web development costs as well. And then once it's actually up and running and operational, you need people to actually administer the forum. You maybe need a customer services or support function. You need a bug bounty program, and trying to quantify that is quite difficult as well. Because yeah, both Alpha Bay and Hansa had bug bounty programs in the end. Exactly. So you can get the picture. It does actually add up and. I think in, in the long term, it might be relatively easy to set one up at first, but to run one for a long period of time, 
actually requires both time and financial resources. And what we've been seeing a lot is more and more forums out there are asking for donations or they're coming up with creative account packages like our oh, pro lifetime membership, VIP membership. And they're saying basically, look, we're really desperate at the minute. It's difficult for us to maintain our site. So what may seem re relatively easy to set up is actually harder and more expensive in practice. And then when you when you do add up those costs, uh, what Bulletproof hosting is about $250 a month, you've got advertising $100 a month, got registered onion domain, which isn't that much, but you capture to pay a customer support person, what, another $250, it all adds up. Yeah, and I think to add further context to it, so Alphabet, for example, was taking around a 2% commission. Now, if you just took hosting and advertising costs, you would need to make over 200000 dollars in sales across your site just to cover all those initial uh, all that initial financial resource you put into it in and that's just place. a break even and that's just a break even yeah so yeah maybe if you're a cyber criminal and you have a lot of money lying around you could set it up but you can see there are some barriers to entry it's not just like anyone can just go out and create their own marketplace and if they do they're going to run into a lot of unforeseen problems yeah and, and you mentioned about uh, marketplaces providing additional packages that may uh, generate some revenue but that also has another motive behind it that's also to making sure that people who have got access to certain levels within the forum and marketplace have done so because they've put some vested interest in doing so they've gained a level of trust yeah and this is something that anyone who's looked at forums and marketplaces before knows that this predates alphabet enhancer this isn't necessarily something new but we're seeing it more and more on these on forums and any other marketplaces that, that we come across. They're trying to vet the number of people that are using a lot of these forums to make sure they're not law enforcement operatives. Also, I mean, a lot of people on these online communities are also quite egotistical. They care about their reputation. So for them, it's really nice to be known as the elite group who are part of the VIP of a particular forum. So there's all these different hierarchies at play. Yeah, exactly. And a couple of other techniques as well to so get that level of trust. You know, we've seen people finding the balance between advertising your site and not leaving yourself open is, is a tricky one to navigate. But what we've seen some people doing with new marketplaces is quite an interesting one, Genesis Market, which is providing new ways of committing fraud online. And we, we do have a blog on that. We won't go into it now, but check out our blog on the Genesis Market if you're interested. But that one, when people are advertising it, they advertise the, the name of the site, some screenshots, it's functionality, but not actually the URL. So obscuring that does help somewhat towards um, maintaining some sort of exclusivity away from law enforcement and prying eyes. I think that's the general picture we've got, we're getting here. Um, actors and users of these forums and the administrators are using both new but also some older techniques, just they're being a lot more cautious. There's a lot of suspicion and paranoia at the minute since Operation Bayonet. So People are trying lots of different methods not to overexpose any sort of illicit or malicious activity that they're conducting online. Yeah, and as you say, this has been something that the Russian-speaking cyber criminal community has been doing for a while, but the users of Alphabet and Hansa, predominantly English-speaking in their makeup, they've now started turning towards in lieu of a feasible marketplace. It's a good point you made there about the distinction between English and Russian-speaking um, communities. One significant thing that came out of our research was we've come across a site called market.ms and that's 
a marketplace that's been in development for quite a few years now, since 2015, and it's being developed and run by the administrators of Exploit IN, which is a very popular and quite prestigious uh, hacking forum. Now, I like this example because it kind of shows the twin obstacles that we would talk about. On the one hand, you've got trust. On the other side, you've got the hidden financial cost. So Exploit IN has been running for a while. It's got the prestige. It's got the reputation. And also, you think it has a decent amount of financial resources available. But this site is still in beta mode. It's still in development. It has a limited amount of users. But it's got a very shiny UI. It looks very professional. The fact that it's taken it this long to get to where it is, it's not advertising widely. It's got a very limited user base at the minute. You need to be on the right channels to hear about it, or you need to be on exploit.in where there's a few posts referencing it. This all shows that creating a new marketplace and establishing it and making it something that's going to last actually takes a lot of time. So exploit.in seem to be in one of the best positions to do this, but even they are taking their time with it. Yeah, and also it's worth noting that on this market that you mentioned, it's very much focused on cybercrime, you know, software and hacking tools. The one notable absence is drugs, which were obviously being sold quite widely across Alphabet and and that's arguably why law enforcement got involved because of the fentanyl and the DEA wanting to have some sort of control over the spread of it. So their decision not to have drugs and specialise in, in hacking is maybe a business decision, but it, maybe it's also got an eye on, like, we don't want to poke the wrong people. Yeah, I think it's both those things. I mean, Exploit is, as a forum, has always been more specialised in terms of hacking and cybercrime. So, yeah, it's a logical step for a marketplace related to Exploit to be the same, to be focused on digital goods and services. The second and very significant thing is by not offering drugs and arms and weapons on there as well, they're less likely to become priority number one for any law enforcement operation. Yeah. So there's a potential that you could... People are going to flock to this marketplace. We, we'll still see how it develops. Um, obviously, there are other potentials in terms of the platforms that they're using that we've outlined in the paper. And the first one of those, which <laughs> gets touted a lot, especially just after Alphabet, and that's the blockchain DNS hosting. Even like pretty much exactly at the same time or a couple of weeks before Alphabet was seized, Joker Stash, which is a pretty big carding forum, moved over to host on a dot bizarre domain. So in order to make themselves a little bit more secure, so it's not a centralized hosting authority of that particular site and it's distributed a bit more. So that was seen as quite a significant move. There was also another marketplace that never really took off from AlphaDoor, uh, which was based on the Ethereum blockchain. There's a couple of others as well. Yeah, and Joker Stash is quite a big one. They decided to make that move, but there haven't been that many. This is definitely something that we should watch out for for the future to see if more and more sites start adopting it. But it's still very early days to say that there's a general trend for people moving over to blockchain DNS, for example, to provide more anonymity and privacy for their users. Yeah, to give an idea of scale, we were looking at Open Bazaar, which is another marketplace, which is on DNS, blockchain DNS, and that within a four-month period attracted about 4,000 users. So it's steady, but it's not great. So yeah, as you said, Open Bazaar is still very early days for that. I think in terms of our research, what we've seen is that the more general shift has been towards alternative chat networks and communication channels. So overall, what we're seeing is there's a general decline in the marketplace model. 
users are congregating or at least retreating to some of the small specialized forums. We talked about Export IN, there's many others. And then from there, they're going on to particularly Telegram and Discord channels to conduct their transaction. So what will happen is a seller of, let's say, credit card dumps or compromised accounts might advertise on a specialized forum. And then anyone who's interested will then be directed to a Telegram channel. And from there, they can then get in touch with the buyer directly and the buyer and seller can do can do their business away from a marketplace. The other significant thing is that there are now standalone channels. So rather than even advertising on a forum, you can just search for credit card dumps or account dumps on Telegram directly and you will find hundreds of different channels popping up every day. And here, sellers will simply just advertise what they have and then again, the transaction will be done on a, on a private Telegram channel or Discord channel. So Telegram's USP and policy has been always not to compromise or reveal messages belonging to its users. So the people that are using these type of platforms really do, do trust it. Again, we're going back to that issue of trust. We'll see in the future if Telegram is forced to start complying with law enforcement. It had recent issues in Russia and there was a lot of protests going around that. So if Telegram is no longer seen as a trusted and reputable platform, then in all likelihood what will happen is users will simply migrate to another type of chat network where they feel that they're more secure. Taking drugs and guns and weapons aside from what was being sold on Alphabay, what were the main things that organizations would be worried about? Oh, they'd be worried about compromised accounts, counterfeit documents, uh, payment card information, personally identifiable information as well, maybe insider threats discussing stuff on their forums. Now those threats haven't gone away because of Operation Bayonet. I think it'd be naive to assume that they have. Instead, what's happening is, as we've said, people are migrating to more specialized forums and then alternative communication channels and the threats and the risks remain. Indeed. Right, I think we're out of time on, on the pod, but if people do want to read more about this, then we'll include a, uh, a link to the paper itself uh, in the description, so do check that out. Well, thanks for joining me, Raf. Pleasure, as always, to speak with you. You too, Mike. Pleasure as always. Indeed. Thanks for listening to this bumper edition of Shadow Talk. To download the paper, please visit the link provided in the description or find it at resources.digitalshadows.com.